0: Welcome back to Streets and Eats. Today, we're going to be talking about taking our Uganda road trip. Yes, we drove it all by ourselves. Well, Jim did. This is episode 62, Uganda Road Trip.
1: Welcome to Streets and Eats, the travel and food podcast dedicated to taking our listeners to the sights, sounds, and flavors of fascinating places near and far, both on and off the beaten path. We're Jim and Corinne Vale, and we've been traveling internationally and domestically together for decades, visiting more than 90 countries in all 50 states in the USA. We'll share all of the local knowledge and food expertise we've gathered through years of living as expats in Asia and Europe, as well as traveling with families spanning multiple generations around the world. Join us each week for a new adventure.
0: Okay, so what is your favorite thing about traveling, Jim? I think my favorite thing
1: about traveling, I have two favorite things. First of all, is the planning and the research and just like learning as much as I can about a destination. I love that.
0: I love that too. But I find that no matter how much I try to learn, I never, never learn enough. That's why you still got to go there. Yeah. You can listen to podcasts. You can listen, right? Read our articles and anybody else's blog articles. And in fact, that's how I research. I research the place, like say Ho Chi Minh, Ho Chi Minh blog, because you know what? I don't want to hear from all those people making money.
1: Or the tourists.
0: The tourist people. Who, by the way, also have ways that they tell quote unquote stories, but they're not telling stories about travelers being there. They're people who speak the language. You, you just, it drives me crazy. So You've I always put careful. the word blog after it because I want to make sure that I'm getting a firsthand experience from someone who travels. An experienced traveler, but not maybe experienced in that country or that city. Because I think that's when you get the most raw, the most original opinions. Well, hopefully. I I think. There's of course- That's how we do it. So I assume everybody does.
1: There are, of course, those blogs out there that are just people who scrape together stuff from other places. But I think those are pretty easy to spot, don't you?
0: Yeah, I spotted one this morning. Actually, when I was doing some research, it was it's got AI written all over it, mm,
1: and that's another issue you got to start looking at.
0: Exactly,
1: because AI is more and more being used to give you search results.
0: So yeah, you can look up
1: or even write the articles. ten
0: best things to do in Paris, and it will give you the ten things that everybody says to do in Paris because there are. Definitely at least 10 things to do in Paris, no matter who you are, when you go, what are you going to do? But there will be no information on how it felt, how the people were, how the lines were, how the crowds were, how the weather made them sweat or didn't make them sweat or they had to bundle up because it was so freezing. I mean, those are the, the,
1: how was the food in the, Museum cafe, exactly. that sort of thing.
0: These are the things that you're going to get from a blog. Okay, I, enough about yeah, blogs. Yeah. The the other thing I've been thinking a lot about is traveling in our backyard. Mm-hmm. We live. We've lived now in Ho Chi Minh for since October. So what is that? Almost six months. Yeah. No, it, four months. How many months? November,
1: December, January, February. Four months going
0: into March. Yeah. So four months. And we have not done nearly enough. It's one of those things that when you have your your house, your apartment, your place of comfort, and you want to go explore the city, it's so easy to say, well, I'll do that tomorrow.
1: It's too hot today. Let's do it tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, you just get into your day-to-day life. Exactly. Which is not your travel life.
0: Exactly. And I think a
1: lot of travelers fall into that where you just don't explore your own backyard as much. Yeah, there's probably a psychology involved there, but yeah, I think it's just a matter of you're at home, so you're comfortable. You're not really thinking about exploring. Uh, We've tried to really combat that over the years. I think it really hit us hard in Alaska when we realized that we hadn't really done a lot in the Anchorage area. We would usually, on our trips out, would do just that. Drive I think out that's the highway, true everywhere we've Drive out lived. the highway, drive out the highway, fly somewhere, all kinds of stuff. But we didn't really do all the stuff right there around Anchorage.
0: That's true of everywhere we've lived. Yeah. Everywhere.
1: But we usually get to a point and now we we get to that point much quicker where we say we got to get into our backyard and see what's here. So, yeah.
0: And we don't even have the excuse that we're working five days a week like we used to.
1: We're retired and we just work on podcasting and blogging and we're still
0: slow at it. I don't understand it anyway. Well, this week we're going to be talking about one of our favorite things and that's taking drives safaris through Africa. That's why I asked you the question, what's your favorite travel? Mm,
1: well, my second favorite part of travel is the experience of being there, but without a plan, even though I did all that research or having a plan that's just like the basic outline so that you can fill it in as you go. Because like you said, you never really learn everything about a place until you go there. Then you start realizing or learning about all the stuff that you'd had no idea to even look for.
0: Well, because a lot of times, and I think everybody will agree to this, when you look up a place, there are, like I was saying about Paris, 10 or 15 things, ten best things that people will always do. You're going to see the Eiffel Tower. But have you ever heard of the, the Museum des Arts Forêts? Yeah, but you should have because that's one of those quote unquote hidden gems that most people don't know about.
1: Quirky little museum.
0: Quirky museum that is super fun. Good for kids. Romantic if you want to go on a date. I mean, all kinds of things. It has it all. It is like the best thing in Paris. Not that we're talking about Paris today, (laughs) but it's just an example of something that took us a while to find because even though we've been to Paris, I don't know, a hundred times.
1: And still you start really scratching and asking and diving deeper. As they say nowadays, deep dive. Uh, You just don't find those things. They're not, they don't usually show up in the first few searches that you do. You have to really dig deep. Uh, Well, the other thing I really love about travel is being in a car. I love a road trip because I'm an explorer. I love to see what's over the next hill or around the next corner. And you really get to explore in a car, even if you've pre planned everything. Like for our Uganda trip, we pretty much had to pre plan everything as far as the route and the places we were staying. But what we didn't know is, what it was going to be like to actually be on the road and drive through the villages and the towns and uh, yeah, in the scenery, the landscape, all of that is unknown. So I, I love discovering that. That's very cool.
0: I love driving as well. well. I love you driving and me being in the passenger seat.
1: <laughs> Well, you're a good navigator.
0: I am a good navigator, so I'll I mean, I'll, but you guys know. It takes a good navigator and good communication skills. Jim and I have our ways of doing things and we're we're good with each other, so that's been working fine for us. But I also I love to be able to stop when I want to stop. Yeah, yeah. I do hate looking out a bus or train window going. Ah, Look at that. I wish I could take that photo.
1: Uganda. Where did the idea come from? Well, I was just kind of looking around the internet one Sunday morning and I saw this article about a couple that just went to Uganda and decided to rent a car and often they drove into the wilderness. And I thought, well, I don't know if I'd want to just like rock up and jump in a car and drive into the wilderness, but Uganda could be pretty good. And if you can drive there, even better. So, like the next week, I didn't do anything about it, but the next weekend, you asked me. So where should we go next? And I said, let's go to Uganda. And you were like, Uganda?
0: First of all, Uganda is not one of those countries that I often think about as far as like it it wasn't on my bucket list per se because I didn't really know much about it. That's the problem with the multitude of African countries. Right, We've heard of a few of them. I mean of course everybody's heard of Egypt everybody's heard of South Africa you know there and Kenya and Tanzania yeah. but Uganda I'm not saying people haven't heard of it it's not that it's d- not that right obscure but at the same token it is I I wouldn't say it was on the forefront of my travel right. planning agenda but once Jim started talking about it and saying how this, if if some other couple can do it, gosh darn it, we can do it. That's right. Because we love road trips. And Jim has driven, I don't know, we'll have to do a count sometime and how many countries you've driven in. But yeah. he's driven in, I would say upwards of 50 countries around the world.
1: I could probably more easily count the number of countries that I've been to that I didn't drive in.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway.
1: And then subtract that from the number of countries we've been to. And we should have an answer, right? Yeah,
0: there we go. Let's do some math. (laughs) We'll save that one for
1: another another day.
0: At any rate, um, we started looking into it and it really didn't look like it was that hard a thing to do. So we want to pass that knowledge on to you. If you're someone who enjoys safaris, if you enjoy road trips and safaris, this is the trip for you. And you can do it two ways. You can either rent your own car and drive, which some countries won't let you do that. You can't do that here in Vietnam or you can rent a car and drive and they will give you some help if you need it. But I don't know how much help they gave us. Did they book the hotels for Mm -hmm. us? They did. Yeah. They gave us, I think they gave us the suggested itinerary with hotels and we were like, Yep. That's the one. Yeah,
1: And actually the company that we went through, uh, Road Trip Africa, it was just Road Trip Uganda at the time. But since then they've expanded to cover other countries oh, for road right? tripping, which is pretty cool. And I'll definitely remember them when we're planning other things. Um, but they were really helpful. They suggested a route. They talked to us about what we wanted to see and do. Uh, and then they helped us with the reservations after we picked the hotels. And they even did a lot of the legwork to get us to get our permits for the gorilla trekking. Did they? Did. they?
0: Oh, I think they did. And the That's chimpanzee. Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, but they couldn't do anything for us for Queen Elizabeth Park. Um, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. So they were really helpful and very affordable. And when we were looking at the options, get a car and set up a tour, like set up a trip like that, or have a car and driver and pretty much you're on a private tour that way.
0: We do have a whole post about how to plan a safari. So you might want to a whole podcast. You might want to look at that um, before, Before you start planning, because it's got some good tips on it. This time we're basically going to talk about, okay, so we just talked about how we rented the car and then we're going to talk about our trip in Uganda, because I'm going to, I'm here to tell you going on safari in Africa is so amazing. It's one thing to go to a city and look at that old building and look at that Roman column. And those things are very cool. And yes, I love them too. But you know what? They don't change. That's the same Roman column that's been there for 2000 years.
1: Well, it might get renovated one year. It might be in, it might be under scaffolding, wraps, that's right. scaffolding <laughs> sometime, but yeah, it's still going to be what it is and it's history doesn't change. And, and yeah, it's going to be the same every time you go.
0: But out on a safari out while you're driving through these national parks and these wonderful African countries, it changes daily, hourly, With minutely. Yeah. I mean, it's changing constantly because Animals move, they migrate, they build things, they fight, they, they do everything. They do it And all. you see it all. <laughs> and it's so much fun. And yes, part of it could be that is a little bit scary. We had a couple of, well, really just one really scary. I'm trying to think if we had more than one, but really scary.
1: In all of our safaris are just on this one.
0: Well, in Uganda, we only had one, except that I'm kind of thinking of the tsetse flies.
1: Yeah, that could have been scary, right? Well, they're... But you do your research and you know how to behave, generally going to be okay. Generally. Well, okay. So let's get a little bit back on track. So the choices are self-driving or guided, right? Which is basically a a private tour. When we got to looking at the prices, it was about half the cost to drive ourselves, And I really like driving and I'm pretty comfortable driving in a number of situations back roads, off-road cities.
0: We're not really worried about getting lost. It's not even
1: that I wasn't worried about driving, but I was looking forward to it. And the idea of just being a passenger in the car while someone else did all the driving and whether they could or could not understand us enough to stop. Every time we said stop, we want to take a picture of that. We didn't. We didn't want that.
0: We've had that experience in a couple of different places that we've been in Sri Lanka and in Madagascar. And in all fairness, we had wonderful trips for both of them. However, we weren't in, we weren't a hundred percent in charge, even though we were paying an outrageous amount of money to be in charge, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we, we really like to take the reins ourselves, so to speak.
1: Yeah. So once we knew it was doable, I was really looking forward to driving. And we set it up with Road Trip Africa. They put it all together. So we were pretty much ready as far as the car goes when we arrived. Other things for pre-planning, well, like you said, you should check out our going on safari post for really good details. But But it also
0: depends on what you want to see when you're in the country. Because as we all know, nowadays, it's not like it was even, I would say, even 10 years ago. A lot of times when we were traveling, we never made any reservations, whether it was hotels or activities. But nowadays, travel is much more accessible. And even though the pandemic slowed it down and it's it's taken a little while to climb up to pre-pandemic um, you know, ratios, still, you really need to, if there's something you want to do and it's unmissable, you want to plan for it ahead of time and book it plan yes. it book it pay for it be ready for it and get it on your agenda and there were at least what four things that we wanted to do mm-hmm. we wanted to do gorilla trekking obviously i mean who's going to go to uganda and not go gorilla trekking along the same times we wanted to do the chimpanzee tracking and we did that as well and both of those um they were able to help us with the road trip africa Um, But then there was two things that we wanted to do in Queen Elizabeth National Park. And that was um, going to with a researcher and doing some in-depth lion tracking, which was really, really cool. And what was the other one?
1: The Kazinga Channel Boat Ride. Oh, and the Kazinga
0: Boat Channel Boat Ride, which turns out if we had not had reservations, we would not have gotten on. Yeah,
1: that was very tricky, especially since it was... It was like high season, Christmas, Christmas time. Yeah, we went in December. Little did we know, but that was something that local tourists we're really into so not just local tourists,
0: day. but the people from the park bring yes. their families yeah, up. Yeah. So the workers in the park, whether they've been working there one month or six years, it's kind of like you know something that they bring the families. They must get a discount or something. But they were packed. It was all locals. Yeah. So I think definitely. there was only like six foreigners on our whole boat trip. Right.
1: It was not many. So those were definitely things we had to plan in advance and. Pretty far in advance because it takes a little while for the bureaucracy uh, to, for those wheels to turn and to get those permits and all that stuff for the two trekkings at least.
0: But what we didn't really have to do probably ahead of time, except that it makes it easier for your planning purposes, is we probably didn't have to get the hotels. I don't think any of the hotels we stayed in were booked.
1: I would say, I would say yes and no for that you're right most of the hotels most of the lodges we stayed in were only like one or two other couples there and we certainly could have probably driven up and gotten us a, sp- a place for the night but you never really know i mean maybe the lodge is going to be closed because they didn't have any people reserved for the night um and also
0: well it gives you a destination too for the day
1: yes for on a self drive like this where you're going from park to park you definitely need to know where you're heading to And you should probably have that reservation because there's not a lot of other things around in the area in all cases. So that way, in all cases, so that way, you know where you're going, you know how long it's going to take you to get there. You know how much time you have for little side detours and excursions.
0: And you also, since you have that destination in mind and how long it's going to be there, you you don't want to be driving after dark. That is something you never want to do really pretty much in, any foreign country where the roads are let's say not highways <laughs> right maybe not paved mostly not paved to all of the the huts and stuff that we stayed in so you want to you want to make sure that you're there before dark and sit down and have a nice dinner have a co- sundown yeah. or cocktail Either before
1: sundown so you can yeah. enjoy it yeah enjoy well, so other things that i think you should bring are definitely insect repellent uh, definitely probably for any African country, sunblock, a shade hat. Uh, we had, we used and, and took along gaiters, the things that cover your, from your shoes up to your pant legs.
0: The only time we really wore those though, were in, when we were hiking in the jungle, when we were doing the tracking for the chimpanzees and the, um,
1: gorillas gorillas. and gloves, good, good, sturdy, like gardening gloves is Mm -hmm. what we brought. So that if you like put your hand on a thorny bush or something, you're not going to get hurt.
0: And they're all thorny. And they're all thorny. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> They're all thorny.
1: Be ready for it. The other thing we did for planning was, and this was recommended by um, the company as well, was that we downloaded the app maps.me. They've got really good databases for Uganda. And since a lot of the time you're off the grid, having those maps on your phone was a lifesaver and the whole database, so we knew where the gas stations were and ATMs and everything. Um, so that's the planning. As far as the paperwork goes, we did have to get, I'm trying to think, because we've been to so many different African countries around that time frame. I believe we needed yellow fever for that. We did. In fact, I'm sure of it, and you had to provide proof through a website, through the government website before you traveled. Um so we had to take care of that. Insurance was covered through the car company. And uh, for Uganda, your regular stateside driver's license is enough.
0: But it's something if you do plan on traveling in a car that you rent, no matter where you are, you need to make sure you know that ahead of time. Because yeah. at the very least, you're going to probably have to get uh international driver's license for a lot of places. In fact, we just went to Japan, as you know, a couple of weeks ago. We came back and we forgot our international driver's license. So we did not get to run a car on that trip, which we really wanted to do because we love driving around Japan.
1: Yeah. It's always a good idea just to have it anyway. Okay. So the road conditions we talked a little bit about driving in Uganda, you're going to pretty much experience all kinds of roads. The highways were pretty decent asphalt roads driving through the towns. The big thing you had they to watch were. out for in towns was the speed bumps because there are more like speed mountains in towns.
0: Not just that, but that's where everybody is is. They're on the road. Yeah. that's where they're selling things, that's where they're walking, that's where they're catching the bus. We have we must have a hundred pictures of people on the roads walking, selling. Carrying things on their head.
1: On their bicycles.
0: Carrying water. A lot of people had to go um, go, go, get water, so they're carrying the big yellow water buckets.
1: I think bananas were in season at that time, so lots of bundles of bananas on every mode of transportation, from little carts to motorcycles to trucks. I would
0: say from little kids.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: To big trucks.
1: So things on the road, even though it is a pretty decent asphalt highway, anytime there's a highway... You definitely need to be aware. Um, but you don't need to worry about the road surface. It Those, those were all pr- in pretty good shape.
0: The Yeah, where it was paved.
1: Once you leave the pavement, all bets are pretty much off. The parks do a pretty good job of keeping the roads hard packed and in good shape. Um, it's usually hard packed dirt. So if it rains, and it rained a little bit while we were there, but it wasn't the rainy season. But when it rains, those become... Mud like holes. slick mud, slick mud. That's really hard to navigate through. The good news is because it was a rainy season, it would dry up in a couple hours. So it never really affected us. Uh, we did go over one road that was like deep sand and it was a road. It wasn't just a, a, a track through one of the parks. Um, and that was a little bit scary as a going over like mountain, a mountain line on our way between, uh, Bwindi and Queen Elizabeth. That one day, that was probably my scariest driving day. I don't know if you even noticed it. Probably you didn't. Um, But for me, driving in sand is really hard.
0: Yeah. I I don't remember it being a big deal, but.
1: But the roads were actually pretty good. There was one stretch going down to the Montana Lodge that uh, was like carved out of the bedrock. And it was really rough. And in fact, we ended up getting two flat tires in that stretch of the trip.
0: But thankfully, someone at the hotel did all the work for us. They changed the tires for us. Then they even rode with us into town to get the tire fixed, make sure that we didn't get quote unquote taken or scammed or anything. And the guy fixed it right there. Then the other guy put the tires on. I mean, we basically just stood around with our hands in our pocket waiting to pay, which I have to say is that is somewhat of a luxury. It's nice that. Right. And then the guy wasn't. Do I mean, he didn't have to do it. We didn't even ask him to do it, but he offered to do it. And of course, he may or may not have expected a tip. We tipped him because it was such a good service. But in that part of the world, I mean, I think it's well worth doing that. The only other car issue that I remember was we were in town getting gas and going to the ATM. One time and um, I was sitting with the car to make sure everything was OK. while well, Jim went in to, to get the money. And while he was gone, there were two people that came up and they were starting to clamp the tire. I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? They're like, you have unpaid parking tickets. I'm like, this is a rental car. I don't have unpaid anything. But, uh, you know, no matter how much I argued with them, they're like, the only way that we're not going to clamp your car is you have to pay for it. And I said, well, you got to wait till my husband comes back. because He has all the money. I did not have any cash with me. And we came to an agreement on how much it was. They showed they showed us. It wasn't that much. It ended up being like the equivalent of maybe ten dollars. I don't know if it was a scam But according to what we learned later was that basically, you know, they just give tickets left and right and no one ever pays them until they have to in order to get out of it. So we basically paid somebody else's parking ticket, I think.
1: So when I came out and I saw this going on, I thought, what's happening? What's happening? And this is where the company that gave us the car really came in handy again, because along with the car, they give you like a little uh, cell phone that you can bring along. It's not, it's not a smartphone or anything like that. Um, But you can call the company if you have any issues. So I called the company and they said, well, okay, we don't have any record of it, but there might be some old parking tickets from a previous driver. Uh, If you pay it, we'll pay you back when you turn in the car. And so that's what happened, and it actually worked out quite well because of that. Yeah, was it so a scam? We, we, we don't, don't know if it
0: really was a scam or not, but we paid it. We got the car. We, we left. got
1: paid back from the company, so it worked out okay. So a little bit, just a little bit of advice for driving in Uganda. This is not the place to think that you're going to get anywhere fast. You are not going to be as familiar with driving in that country as you are in other countries, and driving there is really significantly different than most places around the world. Might makes right is like the general rule of the road. The bigger you are and the heavier you are, the more right of way you have, regardless of what the real road situation is. People will pass anywhere. So be ready for it. They may or may not get back on their side of the road quickly. So be ready for that. Uh, Really, it's this is really all about defensive driving and keeping a good, calm pace that doesn't Slow down traffic so they're constantly passing you because that's dangerous, but you're also not catching up with cars and needing to pass. That's really the best way to drive it.
0: The most difficult thing is the Bodo Bodo, which is the motorbikes going from Bodo Bodo comes from border to border. So, which they, I mean, they just call it Bodo Bodo and they're Bodo Bodo everywhere. I would say they get in your way. Now, after living in Vietnam, I think it's nothing it, like Vietnam. It was pretty tame at the time, but we had been in Vietnam at that point. So, yeah, that's a different story. Uh, there were a couple of traffic
1: stops along the way, but the advice we got when we, Picked up the car was if you get stopped, don't argue, smile, ask if there's anything you can do to help. Have your paperwork ready, but don't offer it right away, uh, and just be helpful and happy and friendly. And they were always friendly with us, and they never really stopped us for anything.
0: And and I would say yes, that's true of Uganda, but it's been true every single place we've ever driven around the world, no matter what the culture is. Yeah, a, a smile and, uh, you know, willingness to, to do whatever is asked of you, which we've never been asked to do anything. Almost always. They take a look at us. We smile, we stop, we're waiting for instructions and they say, go on. And that's what happened in Uganda most of the time too. Did we ever even show papers? I don't think we did. I don't think
1: we did. We, yeah. think we got stopped twice and had a little chat and this was on on our way. We weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't pulling us over because of any specific reason. It was just a basic traffic stop. And in fact, a lot of the traffic stops, as soon as we got close, they would just wave us through. Yeah. So, so
0: I mean, I I think the big lesson here is as far as driving, but, but traveling in general, general. really is just be calm, be friendly, don't be obstinate or contrary and go with the flow. And uh, and we've never, ever, ever had a problem. Not with, not with
1: any type of, official business or anything like that. Okay, let's get on the road. So we flew into Entebbe. We picked up our car right at the airport. Which is super simple. I think we spent one night there because we got in a little bit later in the evening and it was too late to drive to the first destination. And we
0: don't drive after dark.
1: And so we went down to Lake Vic. And we, yeah, we do not drive after dark, especially and so we in have African to countries. say
0: That first meal was very African.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was right on the... <laughs> on the shores of Lake Victoria. Yep. And I don't even really remember the food that much. We
0: had fish. It was just fish that they had pulled in fish and they were the still lake. pulling in. So we, you pull up to this we basically parked right where it was because it said it was a good restaurant on 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 the apps. So, you know, that's what we do is we try and find and Jim is really good at finding good restaurants, I have to say. So we went down, we had a beer, because we always have a beer where
1: a local beer. A
0: local beer and we had fish. And while we were there, there's probably six to ten tables. There are fisher women and fishermen standing around the periphery of the quote-unquote restaurant. And, and I say quote-unquote, it was a restaurant, but it, you, you may not be able to look at it and say, oh, that's a restaurant. It looked like a bunch of tables. Bunch I did tables never saw a kitchen. With
1: a thatched roof cover over it. And really the ground was the pebbles from the shore.
0: That's right. It's a little bit of grass interspersed. Huge storks. Almost five feet tall, five feet
1: tall storks, wandering
0: around, looked mean as hell.
1: They were scraggly looking, they were
0: scraggly looking, gray, big. We weren't sure <laughs> we were safe, but we were. They never bothered you. And, and nobody, they didn't else was even, about they, nobody else was worried about them. Nobody else is worried about them. And they didn't even like try to get your fish or even the fisher people's fish. No,
1: because there was plenty of scraps coming from the fish cleaning. They would just wait for the scraps and they'd scoop up they the scraps. They were very
0: well-mannered storks.
1: <laughs> okay. So from there on the road. Well, the uh, next
0: morning we stayed kind of in a very small yeah, hotel. Yeah, and then the next morning we got, we, we always get up early, have breakfast and head out.
1: Made a stop at a little supermarket, local supermarket on the road for water and some snacks.
0: Which we always suggest you definitely do. need water. Whether you're walking or road tripping or just in a hotel in Tokyo, which has convenience stores everywhere go get some snacks. Mm-hmm. It there's, to nothing, have them with you. there's nothing worse than getting hangry. We've all experienced, whether you're a person who gets hangry or whether you've been with someone, it's not fun.
1: Yeah. So we had the water and hit the road from Montebi. The highway in that area starts in Kampala and then heads southwest. Um, so we had to cut through on a side road that really was our first experience and eye-opener on what, to expect as far as driving on the side roads would be. They were bouncy and bumpy and hard packed dirt. And there were even
0: more animals on the road,
1: lots of stuff on the road, but you're also driving through villages that are so scenic. Uh, Very cool. But then we're on the highway and a really uneventful drive all the way down the highway, passing through some towns. If you're hungry as you drive through, a town or a junction area. There's almost always a stretch on either side of the town where, uh, it's basically rest stops and restaurants and gas stations. And they'll come running out to your car. If you slow down with a handful of meat on a stick that you can get, they'll shove it right in the window. You can buy it right through the window if you wanted to. Uh, we never, we never did. did that. I'm not really sure what kind of meat it was or where it was cooked or how it was cooked. Um, but anyway, first stop, about four hours from Antebi was the Roakobo Rock Lodge,
0: and it may have been our favorite.
1: Yeah, I really liked that lodge. It was uh, the Rock Lodge was I think it was called because it, it was, was a rock the ledge name kind of, of thing. Yeah, the hill that was on, which was basically exposed bedrock boulders, and even the pool was like carved out of the bedrock on one end, and it was like one of those infinity pools that just looked out over the the view. It was very cool.
0: Well, I don't know if I would call it an infinity pool, but. Yeah. I think the idea was infinity, but it lacked
1: the little water spilling over the infinity edge right whatever
0: it was It was a nice place, and the food was delicious there, and the people were really nice. and we ran into friends,
1: yeah, oh, yeah, that's where we ran into Jen and Scott from mm-hmm. Sidewalk Safari, who unbeknownst to us, had set up a similar tour. Except they were on a guided tour, so and they, they did
0: the opposite direction than we did. Yeah, so they were at the end of their trip, and we were at the beginning of ours.
1: And we got to not really compare notes because we hadn't really done anything yet at that point.
0: But we asked for some hints and, but tips. yeah, I get a
1: little bit of a, a little bit of a, preview of what was to come, and also talk to them about what it was like with a driver, and that's what we discovered. Um, but for there. From there, you're going to Emboro National Park and Lake Emboro, which was our first national park experience in the country. And I have to say, I really loved it. It was one of my favorite parks. As it was far so as,
0: green during that time. Yeah. It was beautiful. And um, we were a little disappointed. We couldn't find the giraffes at first. So we finally saw one or two giraffes, but I don't think it's a giraffe place. There is much more. No, of they North. were
1: reintroducing them and. There was a very small population, but there was drafts, but really hippos were the big thing there.
0: And that's where we had our first scary encounter. Yeah. Driving Maybe on, our most scary encounter.
1: Probably. Yeah. Probably one of the most scary encounters driving with wildlife. Anywhere. ever. Yep. Driving down a little mud track or a little dirt track on the, in the back of the park somewhere. I'm not even sure I could identify that track again on a map if I wanted to. And pretty far from the lake really a few kilometers from the lake. And there were these like mud holes on the side of the road, six to well, eight feet we didn't feet realize diameter. how deep they were. They just would look like some muddy standing water in a hole on the side of the road. And we would drive by them and we would see like warthogs and other animals in the area. But we didn't see any hippos until we came around the corner of this one area and there was a mud hole right on the edge of the road. And as we came up level with that, out came shooting out of the water, this gigantic hippo that you look at the hole and wonder how anything that size could have been in that mud hole right for the car. We just kind of stopped and backed up really quick and stopped in the road and it stared at us and it like stared us down for a while. We didn't have any choice. We couldn't go anywhere else. So we just kind of backed up a little bit more and just waited and eventually it trotted off. But it, Yeah.
0: It meant business.
1: If we hadn't noticed it as it was coming out of the water, who knows? If we had kept going forward, it probably would have hit the car. I don't know either. But we did notice it. And as you're doing these drives, you're You're going slow and you're looking for wildlife. So it wasn't like it came out of nowhere at the car already out of the water. It came out of nowhere out of the water. And because of that, we saw it. We were able to stop and back up. I think you were more scared than me. You were definitely. I we have a little bit of video of that, and you're shooting out some pretty good expletives when that happened. I
0: certainly was. I wanted to get the puck out of there. The other thing that happened was also a Maburo, and that's where the tsetse flies attacked our car. Yeah, that's and right. So apparently, tsetse flies don't like the color blue, and when you go to on safari, as far as things to bring, they want you to wear cream colored or brown. You know that tan safari look khaki color because those are things that don't get don't attract bugs and the worst bugs are these tsetse flies which by the way if they bite you you know it oh yeah it can you know deadly. it i mean they're slow about it so while they're biting you can or stinging or is it a bite or a sting I think it's a bite. Whatever it is, it hurts like heck. And um, so we would slow down. We were on this. It was getting towards dusk. And so we were heading back to the lodge because, again, no nighttime stuff. Um, But we would slow down. We would stop. And they would just swarm the car trying to get in. They, and a couple did. We got them out, actually. Right. Or killed them or something. And then um, when we move on and go fast, of course, we would leave them in the dust. We it was hilarious, a, it's actually. Like they thought
1: we were a giant water buffalo or, or a hippo or something. Yeah. I don't so know. So we
0: didn't, we didn't actually have any lasting bites.
1: Nope. We never got any bites. Uh, but it was it was a real eye-opener. Op- eye and we knew, luckily, that was the first place we had gone. So we knew at that point that if we were in an area where there might be flies to keep the windows up and the AC on, once we started moving, they'd leave us alone. We could roll the windows back down. Yeah. But that was a pretty cool park and it was had a lot of really good diversity, I think with the animals from there off we go back down the highway, six hours, the next drive, uh, mostly asphalt to Mutanda Lake resort uh, except for that last probably 20 kilometers, which was the really hard, rough rock road. Uh, It was pretty
0: easy driving. And yeah, and that's where we had the experience with the tires we've already told you about. Yeah. We love the lodge. It was a great lodge. We're, and this lodge actually may have been full or close to full. It was, yeah. Because when we were eating dinner, so the lodges provide your dinner and your breakfast for you. Mm-hmm. And you might be able to buy lunches at some of them where you take them with you, like a pack lunch. Um, we never did that because we're pretty
1: yeah, self-sufficient. The were usually enough. Yeah. And the snacks that we brought.
0: Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, it was a great group of people and everybody was there for the bit windy trekking. So that's probably why it was also pretty full. Um, but we slept in tents that were dark as can be, especially at night. And they turned the lights off at 10 o'clock. So you were going to bed, yeah. which was okay. Cause you had to get up at five, I believe uh-huh. to to get up for the trekking. And the dinner was one of the best we had. It was a really good dinner. It was really, really, really good. Um, and just the people there were really fun. They were adventurous, really cool place. Yeah. We enjoyed that whole thing. And like, and even with, you know, the couple of little strange things that happened. Well, we were, we saw lots of Cobras there.
1: That is where we saw our first cobra. A little. It was black a baby
0: mama. cobra,
1: presumably, or maybe it was just a species that never got big. But this I think is it was true. A baby. I
0: think it was a baby, though. But, but it th- did
1: stand up and with its hood displayed, and it was a little scary. So
0: this is what happened. This is kind of funny. It's a good little anecdote, I think. So Jim is out walking. I don't know what I was doing taking a shower or something, and he comes running back to the to the tent cabin and says, Gorgie, hurry up, hurry up. There's a snake. You've got to come see it. Get your camera. So I, I go running out and um, there's this little baby cobra and he's kind of ignoring us, but we did get too close at one point. And that's when he did do the little stand up and flared his hood. but he didn't attack. Cobras actually, And I, and you know how you always see them in the baskets and all that kind of stuff. I think yeah. the reason they choose cobras is because they really they, they're not going to bite you. You really have to be aggressive for them to bite you. No, you don't want that to happen. But
1: And when you say we got a little close, we're definitely not within well, six what feet I mean, of a Little it.
0: close. He thought we were he close. He thought we
1: were close, but we were not.
0: I use my long lens. We
1: stay. We don't get too close to any wildlife. No. We respect their their bubbles. Well, first of all, we don't want to get bit. But me.
0: secondly, um, yeah, we're invading their territory. So it was really, it was a cool little... That
1: was a good stop, and up early, 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 because you have to get to the Bwindi penetra- impenetrable forest very early in the morning because the trekking. It is didn't hot start and till sweaty. like seven,
0: but it was further. Than, one of the reasons we had to get up so early is it was further than we expected, even though this this lodge that we stayed at, which was right on Mutanda Lake and gorgeous. um, it It was still it was like an hour and a half you could drive away, yeah, it was longer than I expected, actually,
1: yeah, and that's what everybody was staying there for, so that was their main purpose there were if there were more things to do or stay at closer to the forest in the trucking, um, but I'm glad we stayed there. It was a pretty cool stay and we got we did get up early and we got there. They do ask what your Skill level is your hiking skill they level. They kind of
0: separate you into groups. And, and actually there there was a lot of people there. There, there must really have were. been, I'm gonna say probably 40 people.
1: Yeah. It was a Because they split large us into
0: group. three groups, I believe. Three or four, yeah. Three or four groups. One was this hardcore trekking group, and they were, you know, that maybe that's who you are, but that's not who I am. I am not a hardcore trekker. Um, I went in the easy group. Yes. And I think
1: our trek lasted for what, about three hours? Long enough. And it was long enough. We didn't have to go too far. We saw a family of gorillas. We saw them grooming. We saw them playing, climbing trees, eating, pretty much everything you want to see them doing.
0: I mean, we even got the experience of our guide having to hack down the underbrush, underbrush, which you see in every African movie. (laughs) It was fun.
1: So that was a great experience. And yeah, we definitely needed to have the permits for that before we arrived. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was good that they had sure. set that up uh, from Mutanda Lake. We, that's where we did the whole, I decided to take a track that avoided the highways because the highways were going to be really far out of the way. And the map app suggested this route too. Um, what I didn't know was that there were a lot more roads than what were on the maps and nothing was very well signed. So really we ended up kind of feeling our way through especially the last part of that trip.
0: I think it took us longer than it needed to. Yeah. But it was beautiful countryside and we saw chameleon on the way.
1: Yeah, but that was another 6-hour dra- drive and again that was where the sandy roads were going up to the mountains. Uh never really big problem but there were a couple times where it started to pull us off the road. But we were going that direction to get to Isasha sector in Queen Elizabeth National Park. And that's where the lions climb the trees.
0: Yeah. So Queen Elizabeth National Park is huge and there's actually two major portions of it. Mm -hmm. And they're quite some distance in between. So we went to the Asasha portion first, and then the next day we went to the other portion. And while we were in the Asasha portion, like Jim said, the major attraction is to see the, the trees that climb the lions that climb trees and they, they weren't really climbing while they were there. They were relaxing the and trees. hanging out and just sort of letting the fly sit on them while we were there. But yeah, they were,
1: they were so cute. It was very cool to see like a little pride of lions all up in one tree, each on separate branches, just hanging out really pretty cool.
0: And we saw lots of other wildlife in that park too. But we did spend a lot of time looking for lions. And there was one part, which was the next day, which was really cool, where we saw Pride of Lions. Well, and it was very small pride um, hunting. And I have shots of them just, you know, like this African savannah and here's the lion and there's one tree and then there's the the antelope around it with their ears twitching and telling right. everybody to run it was just so national geographic I very loved cool it. right mm-hmm.
1: yeah and it's about two and a half hours between the two different places we stayed both of those lodges were bigger nothing really to write home about i don't think Um, am all the, the second lodge in the north part of the park was right on the edge of Lake George. And what I remember most about that and, and really thought was cool was that the hippos would come out at night and they would come up on the lawn. So if you were going to go anywhere at night between the different buildings and the lodge, you had to make sure that you had a a guard with you to protect you or Which they had guards a right to protect you. That
0: were there for that purpose all night long. Yeah. That they but did you him. could
1: hear them out there rooting and grunting and, Who knows what all they were doing.
0: Uh, We didn't leave our room.
1: No, we didn't. Uh, But in that part of the park, uh, like we had mentioned, that's where the Kazinga Channel boat ride was. The second part of the park. That's the second part of the park. Definitely not to be missed. uh, And we have all the information for that. We were not able to arrange that beforehand, but we did get the information on how to do it uh, from Drive Africa.
0: And basically what you have to do is as you're entering the park at that entrance, you go immediately to go buy the tickets. Yes. And like I said, we almost didn't get tickets. So right. it was a good thing that we did.
1: And we also did the lion trekking there with their researcher. And like you said, because it was Christmas, the researcher brought along his family. Yeah. So we were supposed to go in their car and, and it was not a self-drive. We were supposed to drive with them because you're not supposed to drive off-road in the park. Period. Period. Um, but they made an exception because he had his family and the driver had his family. So they were in a fully loaded car uh, and we just followed them and he communicated as we would stop. And it was a very cool experience. And actually I really enjoyed just driving ourselves. That was pretty neat. The one chance we really had to do any off-road driving and it really it was just driving through grasslands. So it wasn't a big deal, but very cool lion spotting.
0: And he took us, his- Really up close and personal.
1: Yes. They had killed a baby elephant with some elephants. And they'd already gorged on it. So they were all pretty full and sleepy as we were checking them out. Yeah. So but that was cool. really neat. Uh, and that Queen Elizabeth, I think, had the most interesting geogra- geography, mm-hmm. the most interesting geography. They loads plans of, of elephants, places to go. Zebras. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the channel. My gosh, that channel boat ride was like out of a a Disney cartoon climax scene with all the animals doing everything you can imagine. So
0: cool. Everything about it was very, very cool. I have to agree.
1: From there, we took off for the chimps.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We did the chimp treks uh, at Kabbalah Forest Lodge in Kabbalah National Park. And and so we had already done the gorilla trekking. And so we kind of thought that we knew we were getting ourselves exactly.
1: into <laughs> We're pros at this point.
0: <laughs> it was, some parts were similar, but for the most part, oh my gosh, it was exhausting because those chimps move. They really you know, do. You the, the gorillas, they would walk a little bit and then they'd sit and they'd play and they'd hang out for a while and then out the chimps they basically were running all over the forest and guess what we did we ran all over the forest That's after right. them
1: uh, we did get to one huge tree where if the whole troop was up in the tree just having a good old time hooting and throwing things around there's mothers with babies there were males they were grooming it was that was pretty cool. It was cool. And at that point we're like, well, we've seen it all. The trek was going to continue for another couple of hours. Um, But
0: we're dripping in sweat. We were were done at that point. We were drenched. We were wet all over.
1: So the guide, there was actually a couple of guides with our group. And we asked, I think they had mentioned earlier, if you wanted to go back early at any point, you could let them know and someone would bring you back. So we said, you know, we'd, We'd kind of like to make our way back now, so we did, and we ended up having more chimpanzee like up close and personal encounters than the other group did. Just going back towards the center, so that was really cool. And of course, our guide wasn't like, "Do you want to go back?" So we're just going back. No, as soon as he saw signs of chimpanzees in the area, he's like, "We could go straight back, or we could." go over this way. And we might see some more chimpanzees. So, we're like, hey. so
0: somehow just from being drenched in sweat, we made the right decision. That's right. <laughs> we were hot. It cool. was hot. Oh my gosh. Uh,
1: at that same place. We did the Bogotí swamp tour, which was right near uh, yeah. the forest lodge where we had stayed. And that was uh, kind of fun too. I wouldn't miss that. I thought that was really cool. Just walking around with one of the community uh, was a young guy, kids guiding us through the swamp. Most of it was on like a boardwalk, yeah, uh, we didn't see a lot of wildlife. We saw some really cool bird spottings, but more some bugs, yeah, more about the Plant. insect life and the plants mm-hmm.
0: it was it was it was fun and it was informative, and it was just it was just a good experience. We just really enjoyed it uh,
1: from there, we went to some oh,
0: uh, which was kind of a luxury lodge,
1: yeah, it was a luxury lodge. The lodge was very cool. The most remarkable thing for me about the lodge was the little rondelle huts that we were in we were in a hut that was pretty far from the main lodge and we were walking back to the lodge one evening. It wasn't dark yet, but it was later in the afternoon. And we heard a bunch of noise and thrashing and crashing coming from around our lodge. We thought it was in the lodge. We weren't sure if it was in it or on it or under it, but we came around the corner making lots of noise. And by the time we got really close to the, to our little hut, it had stopped but as we climbed up on the balcony and looked out to the tree line about 20 or 30 yards away, uh, no, 20 or 30 feet away, wasn't that far away. There was like a bamboo, a bamboo. There was like a baboon, a baboon up in a tree just kind of looking at us. at
0: us. Like I'm one of those grapes that are yeah. there. You didn't leave anything in your room for me. What's
1: going on here? But he sat there and checked us out and kind of wandered the area the whole time we were there. But he never really bothered us. And that was a cool lodge. There you, we couldn't, do any self drives in the park for whatever reason. I think it was a really dry season. So they were worried about fires. Um, they'd also had a lot of poachers. So they were worried about safety and security, but we, they were really good at giving us uh, two different safari drives that were included with the stay. And we went out both times and not, uh, I wouldn't say it was the most fruitful, fruitful teeming with wildlife park, but the guide that was with us was really pretty cool and and helpful and just knew so much about the local area and the the local culture and the people in the area. It was just fun. Telling us all about the poachers and what life is like there. It was really cool. And he was like apologetic at one point because we weren't seeing a lot of what they would want us to see, you know, the big five type things. Um, He said, well, what do you want to see? And at this point we had seen lions everything. and trees. We've trekked chimpanzees and gorillas. We've had hippos charging us from mud holes. I mean, come on. You can't really top that. The lions, everything. So we said, well, you know, we haven't really seen any snakes and you really wanted to see a snake. So he's said like, I really I wanted will, to see a python. I will find you a python. So from that point on, he was on a mission. We never really did see any good snakes. We snake didn't, spoutings. but we did.
0: It, because of that and we would have never known this otherwise he he points out and he goes look over there at that hillock and there was grasses moving he's like there's a snake there a big snake let's go find him and so all three of us pile out and we go traipsing over there and it was a snake but it wasn't a python and it was it was just fun it was something that would i don't know if most people would have that experience who's gonna ask to go see snakes yeah. i mean only me so
1: that was pretty cool
0: but then we were done. That was pretty much our last lodge and it was it was a beautiful one and the and the food there was very good. It was more on the luxury side which I think was a Kinda good nice planning for the because it was the end of our trip yeah. sort of. And then we basically needed to head back to Kampala which is is you know you're back in African the city chaos. City.
1: That was probably the hardest driving of the entire trip. Uh, just everything on the road everywhere going every direction it's dusty and sandy and blowing through the air and yeah
0: mm. eh, we did spend a whole it. lot of we time we had to there. get
1: back so we spent the night there and then back to ontaby where we dropped off the car and no problems flew whatsoever
0: away. And flew away it was a great trip and even though you might not think uganda is something that you've always wanted to do Maybe it is. And you just didn't know it. It was for us because we saw more wildlife in Uganda and had the time of our lives. We just enjoyed every moment of it. And the people we met along the way were fun, adventurous. Also, most of them were self-driving, if not all of them were self-driving. Or like Jen and Scott, they had a driver who was driving them. Um, There weren't any like tours we didn't run into any buses
1: or van loads of people
0: so it was fun you might like it go to uganda
1: all right thanks for listening to this episode of streets and eats if you liked what you heard please show us some love hit the like button and leave us a review maybe even subscribe so you don't miss any future podcasts Also, we'd love it if you joined us on our Facebook private group, Streets Needs, where we just have an ongoing conversation about all things travel. Ciao for now.